I'm going to try to do something that I almost always fail at, which is to be brief and clear on a topic. I have a lot of feelings and experience and complex thoughts. What I have before me are six sticky notes and I hit record. Here we're going. I'm Rob Stenzinger. This is the Polytechnicast and I'm in the midst of a series of exploring user experience as a mindset. And user experience, a lot of folks, I mean, we all look at other people's disciplines and we can simplify them to, you know, something far less than what they are in, in when you are up close and practiced in it. I've been in this whole discipline of doing human-centered design for well over 20 years, and I've got tons of notes, tons of thoughts. I've been thinking a lot all the way of... Uh, of and recording and thinking, and it's like, well, what is the nature of, of coding and, and making things better for humans? And where do the challenges come in? Is it, is it uh, the interface? Is it data? Is it planning? Is it funding or what have you, right? So my career has grown alongside the progression of user experience design and the agile movement. And those two things get woven into this topic, which is what I recommend is a model to uh, to replicate as as a really functional healthy way to be a an organization that that can make valuable things for whoever you serve and likely um and have that value be either you know easily well funded if you know you're not for profit or an organization that's governmental or that can generate you profit of course if you're a business then this is being an active learning organization by using applied research appropriately. And all this stuff, I'm, I'm doing my best to avoid jargon, um, but what it means is uh, you're doing applied research in it, and you probably have some way of combining existing things with just a little bit of, of invention, a little bit of cleverness to say, ah, this is an appropriate application for our museum. This is an appropriate um, physical installation to help with uh, communication of a complex topic for our um, school, right? Or, hey, um, now we have a, um, a new smart device that helps with um, keeping, I don't know, communication going in families about to-do lists or something. And uh, but what you what you did to bring it into existence was probably not invent all the things that went into the thing. You're a business, you exist, you have your goals and purpose, and, and whatever you're creating is adjacent, right? That it's not like something totally way off into another galaxy. It's, it's close by, it relates to what you do. You just keep practicing and doing it better. That's what I recommend as a healthy model. What does that mean? Well, it means that um, in the, it, how projects are run are through well, setting up the people with the appropriate roles that can, you know, bring the thing about, but they're asking questions and they're active learners. They're looking to find points of view and learn from points of view to, um, well, have a credible perspective. And that's, that's like the, that's like the goal for a project to go, um, to go from somewhere where maybe you're in a world, maybe you're a business who's evolving your culture and it's, you go from being too certain we need to build blank and we need to spend, you know, blank number millions of dollars on a thing. And we just know it's going to lead to blank, right? Where it fill in the blanks. 
um, and you feel if you feel super confident about those blanks and aren't doing something to learn to continue to adapt and increase your confidence and adjust your project along the way, you're too certain. And this is very, very common in organizations that there's just too much certainty. And of course, this is where um, Agile came in as a movement. And Agile to me is, uh, I think it's a design adjacent movement where um, folks who were focused on engineering and, and especially software engineering were being tasked to just crank out things, business outcomes without being involved in a collaborative process. So things broke down a lot. So there's too much certainty and not enough integration of thought from a variety of points of view to, um, to get a, a credible amount of confidence. If you are, you know, assumptions can be great. I've got an article on that, but that, that they just kind of get you moving where you, you, you get to discover quickly where folks are probably wrong, including you, and you get to move past it as long as you're willing to share assumptions in a, you know, a trusting enough environment. And I have, I'll link to that article in the, in the show notes. But, um, but having too much certainty means you're acting on assumptions in a really expensive way, expensive, whether it's emotionally, or you're preventing your business from learning, or whatever it is, um, you're, you're kind of, it's expensive, you're, you're, you're losing time, and all kinds of resources and opportunity um, by being uh, by, by, by avoiding the possibility of being active learners and doing applied research. And again, applied research is not pure research. Pure research is also awesome, but separate. Pure research works um, if you have some small percent of your business in this sort of uh, high curiosity mode, looking maybe further, more, maybe wider, but through some intentional enough process to say, go ahead and explore the space. We don't know exactly what's going to come out of it. If you have a, um, a well-funded enough organization, that's fairly easy to justify because you can get some amazing learning from a pure research. And uh, that's a separate thing. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, pure research is for this purpose too uncertain where you want to know that outcomes are going to um, happen <laughs> and you're going to have useful things to apply to bring value to your audience. And that's where, you know, being in that, that space of uh, you fund a project, but you know much, you know enough to where it's worth funding, but you, you don't uh, believe that you know everything. And that means that that project is a learning mechanism to bring people together to discover what it needs to fully become in its, you know, more mature, refined form. Okay, so what happens? Like, well, I, I, this is, I'm tr doing everything I can to keep this short because this is one of the biggest topics and piles of thought I, in my whole career that I care deeply about and informs tons of stuff as far as how I, I consult and teach and coach and collaborate. Um, in, in whatever form of, you know, UX hat I've, I've, I've worn on a lot of different teams. But I think it's, it's a bit of, um, it's a bit of a little bit of what I've described earlier in the user experience mindset series, where if we're in a mental model of our particular discipline in, in business or engineering or design, and we're not looking for ways to extend it and integrate it with the other models, the idea of correct is 
too incomplete, in my opinion. And this is where um, we we have the qualities that that we could say that well, what does it mean to be active learners? Well, it means that you are um, instead of in working in an ecosystem where the common practice is about someone with power to make a budget happen or someone with the permission through efficiency can take action and, and, and enact change and then teams get together to be agents of bringing about that change. And well, what happens with, so if you have the power to not be thinking deeply about it, then you got a little bit of chaos you're adding to your organization. Maybe it's good. Maybe, maybe outcomes are, are helpful to you. Maybe not. But I think that you're, you're at least learning very inefficiently if you're not doing uh, an applied research approach and being active learners. Well, and then of course it's in parallel uh, with or replaced by only um, just the, the march of being more efficient. So you make what exists cost less. And that's not enough. That's not enough to make really, well, new, robust, valuable things and continue to adapt to how the world, you know, evolves and changes. And we all need to adapt based on what we learn. And, you know, businesses fall behind. And this is where there's a separate topic of disruption that I think is the often not the a, a different, a separate unhealthy way to learn. <laughs> um Although like there are plenty of valid rationale for why disruption is so great and important, I think, um, okay, let's set that aside. Separate big topic. But um, okay, so what, what attributes does, um, does a team or organization of active learning look like? Well, you work systemically. You know that whatever you put into the world, you're willing to see it from a variety of perspectives and how they relate, the context in which it exists and stuff like that. And so I did an update in this series called um, the, oh, what uh, it, it's, I call it the constituencies, but it's the, um, I called it uh, groups of people interconnected. So you, you go from just seeing the whole world as that product to seeing that product in context in the world. Now you're thinking more systemically. And especially if you're thinking, uh, well, and if you think systemically to relate the parts the, in the landscape together, right? You think critically also to keep improving and learning. And so what you believe is true, you appropriately consider that over time. This is not a culturally welcome thing in organizations where the common practice is only the march of power and the march of efficiency, um, this is a, you know, that'll be, that'll be a tough, um, meeting of, of different perspectives. Okay. Thinking critically, but then you're also thinking ethically and caring in a human centered design way. Here's the thing where I know user experience is made of so many other things and it's, it's, it's a foothold on helping explore and helping make a difference and make meaningful things. And that's why I'm just, I'm, I'm saying this from my career and my background, my perspective. These tools come from all over the place. You could give it a different label. You don't have to call it user experience design. You could use any one of these, you know, different elements I'm sharing and, and describe it in a different story. But I, from, from where I come from and the time I come from, the, the idea of user experience is human-centered and systemic-minded. So this is why I, I, I celebrate and share it in that way as well. So back to 
So, you, so you're thinking systemically, you're thinking critically, you're thinking in an ethical and caring way to fit people in to your real people into your model. And you're using things that like, uh, um, you, well, you understand their context, their constraints, human factors, like their, their physical situation, psychological, cognitive, and their skills and so on. And I'm not claiming anyone who's just jumping into user experience design is going to be comfortable, comfortable and skilled enough to make um, you know, the impact that they would want to in all those spaces. But opening up the door to saying, we're going to act ethically and caring, you can hire some help too, right? Um, and, or you can you know, roll up your sleeves and start to dig in and learn what that discipline's about. There's lots of learning resources out in the world. Um, let's see. And then finally, you're doing it, you're doing this in an inclusive way because to be systemic, critical and ethical and caring, you can totally do that with sort of hypotheticals and you can get very strategic and tactical and generate tons of, um, insight, but is it how well tested is it and whatnot too, if you're not really including and you we're so you think inclusively to break bubbles of assumption. So again, these qualities that you, so you, you have a good chance that you're working in a place that, that can do applied research where that means projects can, can adjust. If, if a project can't adjust and say, well, we learned a thing. And if you can't act upon what you learned, you've been working in too confident of a way with too big of an investment too soon. And maybe there's too much, well, ego driving the project and instead of, um, the uh, principle of, of saying like this, this needs to be uh, put into the world in a way that we know is credible and inclusive and all that. So systemic, critical, ethical and caring, inclusive, and that then you for sure have, I think, a credible perspective in your understanding and you can in your action. So hopefully you can follow through on that too. You can say, we believe that this project product should be in existence and shared with the world in this way because, and you can probably give a great pitch right there if you've been doing this work. If you don't know why, then, then you probably don't have a credible perspective. And that's a, that's a good sign to say, wait a minute, what don't we learn? We need to get into the mode of uh, questioning this and explore. So, okay. Living in an applied research mode means everyone's welcome to do this. You're studying and investigating in, in the real world to, um, to find and explore and learn because you believe that this is how products get finished, right? So that in their ideas and when they get approved and budgeted, you know that not everything is known. And this is very, very true in all kinds of projects. It's for some reason, though, in the realm of software and digital, it's not as admitted as frequently. And um, folks who deal with physical products, whether it's from whether it's uh, uh, sweaters and jeans or it's uh, electronics, decor, anything, this stuff deals with physic the physical world. So assumptions, you know, f you know, fall apart pretty fast in a very tangible way. And I, you know, if there was only a way for software to tell us that same story so fast, but okay, I'm going on some tangents here, but I'm doing my best. So living in applied research mode, remember all are welcome. You're studying and investigating the real world. You're sharing what you learn and you're, you're learning from others. And then, then, you know, you're in a team and in an organization that 
it's not just, well, hey, there's the special group that gets to work in an applied research way. It's, it should be just how groups work because whether you're doing it intentionally or incidentally, um, it's, it's happening, right? Where if we put stuff in the world that is too based on assumptions because we're too certain, um, you know, the world and the audience and, and our, and our competitors or peers or other organizations or, or, you know, at, you, you'll find out that, you know, things that in a more expensive way that you probably could have learned a lot cheaper. Okay. That was my run. That was me talking a little bit fast because I had this, this big idea of trying to get this whole topic drafted out of my head of where, like, what is an active learning, you know, team or organization and, you know, enabled through applied research and comparing that to, you know, pure research versus, um, so being too certain whether theoretically, just one more thought on agile, theoretically agile can fit into this. It's that, um, in my career, agile has grown up and in a way that it matches, um, it matches the culture of institutions that have adopted it. So it's not really a thing where teams are, are learning as much as they could be and adapting along the way. A lot, a lot of times agile projects are too certain also. So sorry, agile. Okay. Um, yeah, this is the Polytechnicast. I'm Rob Stenzinger and this is, uh, you're in the midst of this series of user experience mindset. There's more updates here. I'll link to them all in the show notes. I'm, uh, I'm also doing so many more episodes of my podcast than I do, you know, more frequently because I'm taking part in the, in a creative challenge that sort of, well, it's saying like, I want to try to make as many, as many of these as I can in the month of November because of art sound off. And that's a thing that my friend and I, Jersey Drow started to, um, encourage, um, well us and others, anyone who wants to join in, in this idea of recording your thoughts and then you can share them. You don't have to share them. You could be doing this to uh, teach your art, to um, examine it and explore. And then just if you do share it, others can learn from how you navigate your own you know, thoughts on, on what you make. And I know I've learned a lot from others who do this kind of thing, too. Um, so there you go. You can learn more about that at artsoundoff.com. And uh, all right. If you have any questions, comments, thoughts on this, you can reach me on the social networks. I am Rob Stenzinger. Or via email, you can send that to rob at shieldsstenzinger.com. Thank you very much for listening.